Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. His ways are better than our ways. He knows what we do not know. He understands and comprehends things that we don't understand or can comprehend. We have to trust him as sovereign God who is in control. And when he's calling you out of Israel, quote unquote, to go to this place where you don't really feel comfortable going, he has a reason for it. And you just need to trust him in that reason. Are you always going to understand it? No. Is it always going to make sense? Not totally. Who is in control of your life? Maybe you know the answer is God, but you live your life as if you're in control. As Pastor James shares in today's message, if you live your life making all of the decisions, you won't follow the Lord's calling when the situation looks like it might be uncomfortable. Change is hard, but refusing to be led by the Lord out of your comfort zone will result in missed blessings. Instead, believe that the Lord knows all and that He works all things for His good, even if you are a little uncomfortable for a time. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Jonah, chapter 4, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. done with all this stuff because I'm tired of being convicted. All right. I'm done with all that. Like, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm repenting. Just keep digging out whatever the junk is inside of me. But my goodness, I can't take anymore. But the whole video like yesterday was all on comfort, the giant of comfort, which you could also say complacency, which is a major problem in Christianity, at least Western Christianity today, because complacency or comfort is completely keeping people ineffective in the church. Why? Well, because I like my routine, and I like comfort, and I don't like God coming in and messing up my comfort. Jonah had his comfort turned upside down. Jonah, I want you to leave this town where everybody knows you. It's kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name, right? I need you to leave there, and I want you to go to Nineveh where nobody knows you. And in fact, these are your enemies, and they're going to see you coming. They're going to smell you coming because you were in a fish for three days. They are going to have this radical encounter because of you. I'm going to use you there. And, And from the moment, from the very beginning, Jonah's response was, no, no, I'm good here. I'm comfortable here. Lord, you're using me here, so why would I want to mess this up? I'm really comfortable right where I'm at. But God, being a good and gracious God, was not content with letting Jonah stay within that complacency and that comfort. If God is making you uncomfortable, you can praise him and thank him for that because he's doing something in your life that in the end result will make you stronger. You just got to hold on. You just got to hold on. I share this all the time, but my family and I, we moved down here four years ago. We were very comfortable in our church in Amarillo, Texas. We were very comfortable there. We had no worries at all, nothing to worry about. And it got so good that I really stopped, had, I didn't have to rely on Jesus anymore. That's how comfortable I got. 
You're like, you're a pastor. You can't say that. No, I'm an honest person, and I'm going to tell you that right now, because there's a lot of pastors who are living in that reality right now. They get so comfortable, just the motions, doing it. This is what I do, routine, boom, 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 boom. Jesus, it's cool. I got this one. It's cool. I got it. Don't worry about it. I got this Wednesday night with these high schoolers. It's all right. I got it. That consumed my heart. That consumed my thought process. And when he woke me up to that, I became very afraid. Because the thing I guarded against for so much early on in ministry had snuck its way into my life and rendered me ineffective, ultimately, towards the end. And then God says, you're going to Galveston. I'm like, oh, but I don't know anybody in Galveston. doesn't matter. Lord, I'm good here. No. We were on board with answering the call to go to Galveston because ultimately we knew this was the best thing for us in our relationship with Jesus. We needed something to wake us up and to shake us out of that comfort and complacency. And he's doing that. And it's amazing. We got to be on guard for that because ultimately when I look at this, this story, that I, I just see that with Jonah. I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm good here, I'm popular here, I, everybody knows me here. Yeah, all that stuff. God's like, that's not my plan. That's not my plan. My plan is to use you to reach these people. Whether you like them or not, it doesn't matter. My goal is to use you to communicate the gospel to these people. So be encouraged. If you're uncomfortable right now, there's a good chance that God is doing something in your life that he wants to work out of you, okay? It's like going to the gym. Nobody wants to go to the gym. If you do, there's something not right. I don't know, but um, nobody likes that, punishing your body. The end results are great. We like the end results. That's why there's so many pills on the market to try to get you the end result without actually having to do the work, okay? They don't work, all right? You got you to gotta suffer to get the results. You got to lift the weights in order to get stronger. You got to go through the trials. You got to go through the difficulties in order to get stronger. That's why James said, consider it all joy when these hard times come upon you because God is working in you and through you. And he's got a plan. Jonah's just missing it, though. <laughs> he's just totally missing it. Verse 6 says, the Lord prepared a plant that's very gracious of God. And that tells you that Jonah's structure, his efforts were not good enough. We're not good enough. God makes us grow up. It grows up so that it might be a shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. How good and loving God is, not just to the Ninevites, but to his own prophet who is in rebellion at this point in time, who needed a spanking. And God's like, let me just give you a hug. Let me give you a hug. You deserve a spanking, but I'm going to hug you. I'm going to send this plant to grow over you to provide you some shade. I will show you, Jonah, that yes, I am good. I'm good to those guys, but I'm also good to you, and you have no reason to be mad. Okay? So the plant comes up. It gives him shade. The kicker, still in verse 6. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. This is like one of the only times in this whole book where Jonah is actually thankful for anything. He's very grateful for the plant, verse 7. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. So please note that, because that's a common theme throughout this book too. 
Jonah runs away. God causes a storm on the Mediterranean Sea. God prepares a fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah gets spit out of that thing. Jonah goes into Nineveh, delivers this message. Sitting there sulking on the east side of the town, God prepares a plant for Jonah. Then God's also going to prepare a worm for Jonah. God is in control. He is sovereign. He is in control. And he allows the plant to come up, but then he also is going to send that little worm, that whatever that thing is, to teach Jonah a lesson. So he prepared this worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. This is a hot, dry wind. Now remember, Jonah is angry. He's hot. And God's like, hey, Jonah, (laughs) you still mad? You're still red, dude. You're still hot? Let me send this east wind to you. We'll turn the temperature up a little bit more, because this is a hot east wind. It's very common in this region as well. So this hot east wind, and then the sun. So you got this hot east wind, and you have the sun itself, which maybe God had turned up a little bit too, just to intensify on this prophet. As he's sitting there in his ridiculous shelter, now you got a dead plant. There's that stinking worm. He's happy because he just got a belly full of plant. And Jonah's like, ugh, this hot wind, the sun's cooking me. Life can't get any worse than this. All the time, meanwhile, people are in Nineveh still repenting to God. And the prophet of God, he's just not happy. He's not satisfied. So the sun beat on his head so that he grew faint. He wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Death is certainly better than this, he exclaimed. Death is certainly better than this. Get off your rear end and get into that city and make a difference in their lives. Quit complaining. Quit crying. Quit it. Stop. Get up. Go do what you're supposed to do, is what I would love to tell Jonah. I would love to come alongside him in this this story and be like, dude, right? I don't don't know what, what God's waiting for, but man, I am ready to beat some sense into you. Like, please get up. And then I realize, well, I do the same thing. I do the same thing when things aren't going my way. Man, I'm like that toddler. I'll just, I'll just drop to the floor, and I'll scream, and I'll yell, and all that stuff. And it's like, just get up. Get up. Knock it off. Don't miss out on the blessing. You're missing out on the blessing. No, it's better for me to die. Death is far better than this. That's crazy talk. That's not, that's not even equal to what Paul would say in the book of Philippians, where he says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. This is not even the same statement. This is Jonah saying, I hate what God is doing. And I wish I was dead so I didn't have to see it. And I don't have to go back to my hometown and deal with all the people. The apostle Paul's like, listen, I could be alive. That's cool. God's going to use me. Or I could die and I'll be with Jesus. I don't really care. I'm happy either way. I'm content. I'm content. Jonah is discontent. And he's just throwing this fit. Verse 9, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Like, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, is Jonah's reply. Yeah, I'm totally justified in being mad about this plant. I have every right to be mad that the plant died. Which, so, I mean, he even goes on to say, to intensify it even more, even angry, even hot enough to die. Within that answer, he is directing all this blame onto God. 
And God will clarify that for him because he knows. I mean, you talk about miracle growth. This plant like came up in an instant. Like there's like no explaining this other than God himself saying, plant, boom. And it came up and it shaded him. Worm, boom, worm happened. And it ate, it ate at the, the stalk or whatever. And it just, it died. Jonah knows that the plant came from God. God's like, Jonah, do you have the right to be angry about the plant? Yes, I do. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Angry enough to die. And it's like, what? Is your, is your thought process so clouded with hatred that you can't, he never thanked God for the plant. He was happy about the plant, but he never thanked God for the plant. And in all honesty, as difficult as it may be, he should have been thanking God for the worm because the worm is exposing what's happening inside of his heart. But he, he can't even see it. He, he just cannot even see it. And God's there graciously teaching Jonah a lesson that as far as what we have written down, it seems as though he doesn't get it. Now, I personally think he does get it. And I'll explain that in a second. Is it right for you to be angry? Yes, it is. It's right for me to be angry, even to death. Verse 10, but the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you had not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Jonah, you did nothing to make this plant happen. I caused the plant to grow. I gave you the plant. And now you're mad about the plant. He's just bringing everything into focus for Jonah. He's like, so let me get this straight, Jonah. You are angry, but number one, you're angry at me. And you're angry at the fact that this plant, which was given to you by me, was taken away from you by me. You're angry at, you're angry at that. Yeah, I am angry at that. Okay. So the Lord goes on. Verse 11, and should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons? Now, New Living Translation translates that spiritual darkness prefer the New King James translation of this, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, which is more than likely speaking of children. God's like, okay, Jonah, let me get this straight. You're mad because a plant that you had no business with at all, you didn't plant it, you didn't water it, you didn't cause it to grow, came up in a night and went down in a night. You're mad because that was taken from you, yet the whole time in Nineveh, there are 120,000 children, 120,000 children, and he even says, and, and much livestock. There are these, and more than likely, I can't say this dogmatically, but the cries of the wickedness of Nineveh, what if those were coming from these kids? Because it was the parents who had lost their minds it was the, lead, the leaders of the city, absolutely wicked. Everything they did, these people were absolutely wicked. Maybe, just maybe, it was these kids crying out to God saying, please help us. Please help us. And God's like, I sent you on a rescue mission. I sent you on a rescue mission to deliver my word to these people. And that doesn't even phase you? That doesn't even break your heart? You're not mad about that, but you're mad about a plant? Are you serious? 
Are you serious? That's perspective. And that's convicting for me. Because there are times where I get so angry and I get so upset with the way things are working in my life or not working in my life, and I can get mad at God about those things. And he's like, hold on, let me just get this straight. You're upset because you're uncomfortable. The whole while, you have people who are suffering. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you should, if you're suffering, you should just get over it. No, no, but perspective is a great thing. Understanding that we have brothers and sisters all across this globe who are dying daily simply because they believe in Jesus, period. We have brothers and sisters all throughout this world where the common church service for them is held while they're hiding out from people who are looking to either persecute them by throwing them in prison or killing them. And I get mad about the stupidest things. And God's like, let me just get this straight. Let me just get this right. You're mad because, uh, because of this. Yeah, I am. Okay. What about all these kids in this city? 120,000 of them. They're innocent. They don't know their right from their left. It's another way of saying they're innocent. And you don't care about them? Okay, good to know, Jonah. Good to know. Heart exposed, right there. That's like a mic drop from God. Like, all right. And it does end on that question. And he is saying, like, should I not have compassion for these who are suffering? Should I not be compassionate toward them, Jonah? And really, that question is left that way so that you and I have to answer that. Is it okay for God to show mercy and compassion on your enemies? The answer is yes. Yes even if you don't understand it, even if you may not even agree with it, God is absolutely just in displaying mercy and kindness towards enemies, our enemies. He absolutely is. The Jewish tradition concerning this story is that right after God asking that question, Jonah hits his face and repents. That's a Jewish tradition, so you can't be dogmatic about that because we don't have that included. And I do believe Jonah was the one who wrote this book. And that, that for me, indicates that maybe, just maybe, a change had happened in Jonah's heart. Because if you're telling me that the guy who lived this story, and I believe, along with a lot of other commentators, that he was the one who wrote this story, even if he himself didn't personally write it, he was able to communicate this to somebody so that they could write it down. You don't go back and retell the, the ugly details of this story unless something has happened in your life, is what I believe. So that's why I would think like maybe something, maybe that question did have an, an impact on Jonah to where maybe that was the thing that woke him up. And he's like, oh man, I, I didn't think about it like that. I missed I missed the whole mission because I was so angry about just all the things. I, it's supposed to go this way. It's supposed to happen like this. This is what it's supposed to be like, God. But then you came in and you messed it all up with your goodness and your, your grace and your mercy and your sovereignty and all that stuff. You messed it all up. And I became so clouded that I maybe missed out on the blessing 
We don't know what, really what happened to Jonah. We don't, I mean, we know what happens to Nineveh. This, this lasts, but it doesn't last for that long. Like I said, in about 100 years, this city is wiped out by the Babylonians, completely decimated. So whatever happened with this generation ultimately wasn't passed down to other generations, and they were wiped out. But in this moment, there's Jonah on the hillside, and he's just angry. He's just angry because God didn't do what, what he felt God should do. I, let me encourage you with this. Um, God's way is always right, even if it contradicts your way, even if it contradicts your understanding. His ways are higher than your ways. His knowledge far supersedes the best of us, okay? I'm not on that list, okay? So when I say the best of us, I'm talking about the greatest thinkers in humanity. We can't even get close to God. We can't even get close to him in thought process and all that stuff. His ways are better than our ways. He knows what we do not know. He understands and comprehends things that we don't understand or can comprehend. We have to trust him as sovereign God who is in control. And when he's calling you out of Israel, quote unquote, to go to this place where you don't really feel comfortable going, he has a reason for it. And you just need to trust him in that reason. Are you always going to understand it? No. Is it always going to make sense? Not totally. Will it become clear the more you're there? Probably. Probably. But it takes time. It takes patience on your end. And I can tell you this, God's got patience with you. He's got patience. He'll wait, but he, will, he might tighten up some things that make you a little more uncomfortable, but he's constantly working on you because he ultimately wants to get you to a place where you come out stronger, where you come out stronger. Jonah's a good example. Let me read this. This is from the message. This is, I know this is controversial, uh, all that good stuff, whatever. Uh, it's okay. Eugene Peterson, who was a good guy, he died and went on to be with the Lord. I told you I was going to read this to you uh, when I started this, and then I forgot. I just want to read you what he said in the introduction concerning Jonah. He says, this whole story concerning the whole story of Jonah, one reason that the Jonah story is so endearingly important to, uh, for the nurturing of, uh, of the life of faith in us is that Jonah is not a hero. He's not a hero too high and mighty for us to identify with. He doesn't do anything great. Instead of being held up as an ideal to admire, we find Jonah as a companion in our ineptness. Here is someone on our level. Even when Jonah does it right, like preaching, finally in Nineveh, he does it wrong by getting angry at God. But the whole time, God is working within and around Jonah's very ineptness and accomplishing his purposes in him. He goes on to say, most of us need a biblical friend or two like Jonah, because they're on our level. We can relate. We can relate. I can read through the story of Joseph, and I'm like, man, I'm not anywhere close to this guy. I can read about jo Daniel, and I'm like, not even close to these guys. Jonah, I'm like, I'm in good company with this guy. And I'm right there with you, Jonah. Listen, trust the Lord. Be obedient to him. Will it work out how you think it will in the end and all that stuff? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But will you be better as a result of it? Yes, absolutely. So just trust him. Be patient with God. Go out there and don't miss out on the blessing that might be surrounding you. There's a whole city of Ninevites 
and little kids that are crying out for justice and mercy that I hope we as a church are not missing because God's not doing it like we thought he should. That would be a shame. That would be a shame. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James as we journey through the book of Jonah. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, you can visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the Teachings tab. There you'll find a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Maybe you're like Jonah and you're wrestling with the call that God has on your life. Or maybe you've been running from God and you're ready to come home. We'd love to walk alongside you and encourage you in your faith. As believers in Jesus, we're called to gather together and pray, encourage, and help one another through life. This is what we believe at Bread for the Broken and Calvary Galveston, the church behind this ministry. If you're looking for a new church home or simply someone to connect and pray with, we'd love to be that person or people for you. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you come visit. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, please visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so please drop us a note and let us know how you heard about Bread for the Broken and how we can be praying for you. Just visit our church website at breadforthebroken.com and click on the contact tab to fill out our form. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of